Thank you, Pastor, for that uh, warm introduction. I am indeed delighted to be here this morning, and I consider it as a blessing to share with you what God has placed on my heart. We're going to talk about a subject, what does it mean to become a global Christian? I am reminded of a story of an English gathering at a club in England. And a Japanese gentleman was sitting at a table looking rather very nervous. And walking inside was an English gentleman. And he saw this Japanese guy uh, looking very nervous. And uh, he thought to himself, perhaps I can uh, instruct him on some basic etiquettes before the meal began. So he sat across the Japanese guy. And the English gentleman picked up the fork from the, picked up the fork and said to him, this be forky. And then he picked up the spoon and said to him, this be spoony. And then he picked up the plate and said, this be platey. The Japanese gentleman was nodding rather very courteously. And before the preliminaries were over, much to the shock of the English gentleman, The Japanese was the keynote speaker for that morning. (laughs) And he got up and delivered his talk in flawless English and went back and sat at the table. And he looked at this English gentleman and said, You likey my speechy? (laughs) At least part of that story is true. (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing up here this morning, but I do know. That God has a message for us. I'm not using any PowerPoints because I'm just going to make my point and depend on His power. That power and I make the point here. What does it mean to become a world Christian? I'm very excited about the fact that I am in Christ Jesus and you ought to be this morning. The greatest blessing for you and me is that we are alive and we have Jesus Christ in our hearts. That privilege Many in this world are longing for and looking for. Even as I thought about this subject, I had just left India a few months ago. I spent a great deal of my time there. And I was sitting at a very large church in the southern Indian city of Bangalore, my hometown. And I was listening to the story of a of a young Muslim man who was sharing his journey of faith as to how he came to know Jesus Christ. The entire church was wrapped, pin drop silence as they were listening to the way he talked about how Jesus intervened in his life. Here was this guy whose name was Ali Asker, and Ali was searching for God, and he went and asked this Muslim imam, How do I see God? I want to feel, I want to see, I want to hear God. And the Muslim Imam told him, you can't see God because he's too far away from us. Man cannot see God, but you can feel him once in a while, but you can never talk to him. But Ali didn't give up on that. He insisted that he wanted to see God because something deep in the heart of this young Muslim man was wanting, longing, a deep inner longing was there, knowing at him. He wanted to experience God. He was fed up with all of that he was hearing in the mosque. And the Muslim imam told him, 
to come to a particular place and asked him to remain quiet in the middle of the night and this was in a Muslim cemetery and Ali Asker was there in the midnight waiting to feel God he was becoming very frustrated but around midnight something strange happened to Ali Ali saw something evil in that place but he couldn't even figure out what it was Ali saw a snake that came in, that crawled into that room. And immediately was very frightened looking at the snake. And the snake talked to him. And immediately Ali was struck with a headache that wouldn't, that wouldn't leave him. Ali felt like dying with a splitting headache. Frightened, he ran back home. And all night long he was in this headache that was killing him. And Ali suddenly remembered there was a Christian friend of his living in that neighborhood. And he ran to him and said, Joseph, I need your help. I saw something strange. And I've got a headache that's not leaving me. Can your God help me? And Joseph told Ali, Yes, my God can help you. You can talk to my God. Ali said, How do I talk to God? My Muslim imam said, you can never talk to God because God is too far from us. But Joseph said, no, you can talk to God just like the way you would talk to anybody else. This is all very new and strange for Ali, the young Muslim. So he asked Joseph, could you write me a prayer that I can use to pray to your God? And Joseph was kind enough to write a little piece on a paper, as three or four lines of prayer to Jesus and gave it to him. Ali took that little precious paper. In which he saw a few lines, a prayer lines to Jesus. Oh Jesus, will you please talk to me? Will you come and help me? And Ali took that prayer and sincerely asked God to talk to him. That very moment the headache lifted off. Ali felt a strange sense of peace overwhelm his physical body. And Ali was sharing this to us in that church. And Ali said to us, I literally felt the presence of Jesus Christ all over me. I felt a peace, a joy that I'd never ever felt in my entire life. Ali became a firebrand Christian that very day. And then Ali went on to share about how many Muslims he went to reach and the Hindus that he reached. And many hundreds were coming to Christ with the testimony of Ali. The work of God is moving on and happening in all over India and around the world. God is moving. It's exciting to know that Lord Jesus Christ is alive. I was recently reading a, a report about this great British scientist by the name of Stephen Hawking. Who one time had... One time had shown some, some inkling of an interest in the existence of God. But with his recent book called The Grand Universe, Stephen Hawking debunks the existence of God. And he says, there, are no, there needs to be no God to create this world. On the one hand, you're seeing scientists trying to debunk God. On the other hand, you're seeing ordinary, common people like Ali experiencing God. What is going on in our world? What is going on in our world?
God goes where he is wanted. A.W. said, A.W. Tozer said that a very long time ago. God goes where he is wanted. If you want him, he will come to you. He's no respecter of persons. I stand before you this morning with a great excitement in my heart. That I, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I have a lot more things in common with a believer in Jesus Christ in America than with my own countryman who is not a believer. And I think the same for you too. You may have more in common with a believer, with a Christian believer in China or in India than with your own countryman who is not a believer. There's something unique about the family of our Lord Jesus Christ in that we are all brought together under the cross. We are one family. And the common denominator that runs through all of us is the precious blood of our Lord Jesus. Upon the earth, medical science will group our bloods in A plus and B plus and C plus. I know one blood that runs common in all our veins, the blood of Jesus. I cannot classify that blood. But it is the pure, unadulterated blood that was shed for you and for me. And that blood has washed our sins. And it has given us a new hope. That I could stand before you and share with you my excitement in being the child of God. Every believer should feel that every day in your life. There should be not a day that should be boring to you when Jesus is in us. When the living God is present in us, life will never be boring for us. Because we already walked into the great joys of our Lord Jesus Christ. King David says, at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And in his presence there is fullness of joy. This great family of God, this global family of God is a unique family. The Bible gives us three places where our God wanted to share with us his global vision. When God made Adam and Eve, he interacted with them on every day, every evening. God wanted both of them to tend the garden. And his goal for them was that they, were, they might have fellowship with him. And we are all, all the products of Adam and Eve. But somehow Adam and Eve went against God and therefore sin came into the world and Jesus had to come back. To redeem us back to himself. And to Abraham, God spoke in the book of Genesis chapter 17. And God said to Abraham, I will bless you and make you a blessing that all nations through you will be blessed. God's vision was a global vision. And Apostle Paul echoes that in the book of Ephesians. It's a very wonderful text where Paul says in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to book of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Every time I read these verses, it does something to my spirit. It speaks of the majesty of our Lord and how He wants all of us as believers to unite with this global family of Christianity. Paul says in verse 14, Ephesians 3, verse 14, For this reason... I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For this reason, I bow my knees. Paul is writing at a time when he's going to tribulations, pain and suffering. Despite of it, Paul is saying to the, Corinthian, to the Ephesian church, For this reason, I bow my knee 
to the Lord Jesus Christ, from whom, verse 15 says, from whom the old family in heaven and in earth is named. It's a global family. From whom all family from heaven and in earth has been named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through the Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be, verse 18 is where he nails it down, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul is very clearly telling us in verse 18 that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints the width, the length, the height and the depth of love. The height, the width, the depth and the length of the Lord's love can only be comprehended in the company of God's people. No man is an island. Only in the company of God's people, only in the company of God's global saints can we have a foretaste of what it is to feel and experience the height, the depth and the length and the breadth of the love of God. I always tell my friends back in India, when I share with them my story as to how I became a believer in Jesus. Many even to this very day confuse and are confounded with the idea that why would somebody become a Christian and convert to the western ways of life. But I had to tell them, I had to rebuke them. I haven't converted to anything western. I have only given my life to Jesus and by the way, Jesus was not born in Boston. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He's more Middle Eastern than western. He's more close to me than a westerner it could be. And all of a sudden, the light bulb goes on in their mind. Yes, Jesus was born in the Middle East. He's God for the West and God for the East. He's God for everyone. He's a global God. And when we come to Him, we become part of this global family. And God is no respecter of persons. He happens to have influenced the Western world, Christianity. But this mighty God is alive. In the last few years, we've been seeing so much of secularism, so much of humanism, so much of relativism creeping in our public places in the western countries. Where people are still debating about the existence of God, still debating about God's existence and things like that. But God is seeking and searching for those souls who would come to him like a little child. Like a little child. With our puny little minds, we cannot comprehend God. Those who come to him must come to him in faith. And that's what is going on in India, in Africa, in Asia, in Latin America. Simple, innocent hearts flocking to the very presence of God. Church, we need to recapture the wonder of being a child back again. And to take God at face value. To take God at face value. There is a bold revolution going on in the world of religion today. It is not Islam. It is not Hinduism. It's not Buddhism. It is Christianity that is growing fast. 
It is Christianity. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that is growing fast in this world. Much to the much to the dismay of all the other naysayers and atheists who keep trumpeting about the world of science and atheism. It is Christianity which is growing faster today. It looks like the acts of the apostles in worlds around and outside of America. Why? Because in 1 Timothy, God says, 1 Timothy 2, verse 3 and 4, God desires that all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Hear me this, in 1900, in 1900, 80% of the world's Christians lived in Europe and North America. A century later, nearly 70% of the world's Christians now live in Africa, Asia and Latin America. Christian adherence and vitality are waning in the North American continent, but it is growing in the global south. What is going on? Is there anything that we are missing in the West? Is there anything that we can learn from the church that is so exuberantly growing outside of our, outside of our borders? There are many things. There are many things for the church in the West to learn. Let me point to you a few things that we can learn. There is an intensity, a desperation to know God that marks the church outside of North America. There's an intensity and a desperation to knowing God and experiencing God that marks the church that is outside of North America. Interestingly enough, the world's largest Hindu temple outside of India is in Europe. The world's largest Buddhist temple outside of India is in California. The world's largest Islamic mosque outside of Saudi Arabia is happening, I think it's proposed to be built in England. But the world's largest church is not in North America, it is in Korea. The world's largest church are found in India, in Africa. There is a global shift of Christianity that is rocking the North American continent. There's a shift that the center of gravity of Christianity is moving. This is a reminder to Western Christians that we are not the old show. We have to start thinking differently about ourselves. We are part of a much larger church, the worldwide church of Jesus Christ. If the church is growing so rapidly across and around the world, what should the church in America should do? Learn the lesson of a holy desperation for God. We need to pick up that intense desperation for God that marks the churches. I know of a man in India... In the early 1900s, he had, a, he had an encounter with Jesus Christ and came to faith in the Lord and he gave up his entire career, he gave up his property, he gave up all that he had and followed Jesus Christ. And God used him mightily all over the world. Despite of the persecution, despite of the pain, despite of all the hunger, they were still following hard after God. It's a global gospel. Our gospel is a global gospel. Things are not what they seem to be. Most religions in the world know about it. But what can we do about it? Does Hinduism have the answer? Does Islam have the answer? Does Judaism have the answer? Oh, only Christianity has the answer for man's problems. 
All these religions have built ladders to reach God, but only in the Christian faith, God comes down and bridges the gap. This is a very, very revealing and a radical truth to other people in the world. It's a global gospel, and ours is a global salvation, and we have a global proclamation to take this to the ends of the earth. And that reminds us that we are not just North American Christians, but we are now global Christians. Christians who can share in the work of God around the world. The other lesson that we can learn from the church that is so mightily growing outside of the North American continent is the idea, is the experience that most people in the world are going through so much for the sake of Jesus Christ, willing to lose their limbs and their lives and putting their lives on the line for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. i tell you a story in China that happened. Wang Ming Dao, a Christian in China, served as a pastor of a largest church, underground church in Beijing, many, many years ago. And during the communist time of persecution, Wang Ming was thrown into prison because of his testimony and ministry. At the hands of his perpetrators, Wang Ming was tortured for his faith. Wang Ming feared even greater suffering. He couldn't take it anymore. And Wang Ming counted his belief in Christ and was released by the authorities. But very quickly, Wang Ming regretted his decision. And he was seen walking the streets of the city, weeping, weeping and mumbling to himself, I am Judas, I have betrayed my Lord. And within a few weeks, he was unable to bear the guilt and the shame any longer. He returned to the communist authorities, confessed his faith in Christ, and he asked the authorities to put him back in prison. He voluntarily went to the authorities, confessed his faith in Jesus Christ, and he asked them to put him back in the prison, regardless of the persecution. And for the next 27 years, he suffered the abuse of prison life. But he never again entertained the thought of denying his Lord. When Dao was released at the end of his life, the Chinese church considered him a hero. Who had, given him, who had given them strength and assurance to the many who faced the perpetual threat of persecution and imprisonment. That is what it takes to follow Jesus in places like China and in India, willing to lose their lives and limbs for the sake of Jesus Christ. We'll have to examine ourselves. Am I still in the comfort zone? Am I still without taking any, 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 any public bold stand for Jesus Christ? Are you willing to take a bold stand for what you believe in Jesus? For the convictions that you have about Jesus? Regardless of what it might entail? That's a challenge that God puts us this morning. When the people of God are willing to go through so much for the sake of the gospel of Jesus... Are you willing, are you willing to take up a bold stand, to be, take up a bold stand 
for your convictions in Jesus. You know why? Because we are living in a morally relative society where it is not cool to be a Christian, where it is not cool to confess your beliefs in Jesus, where it is not cool to confess your exclusivity of your faith in Jesus Christ. But ladies and gentlemen, Christian faith, Christian gospel, by definition and proposition is exclusive. Christian gospel, by definition and proposition, is an exclusive gospel. Jesus clearly said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. I stand on that, and I hope you will stand on that, and I hope you all can be bold witnesses to Jesus Christ, no matter where God has placed us. And God is also calling us as global Christians to intercede and to pray for the work of God in other parts of the world. And God is also calling us to go and make friends with other people in your neighborhood. Do you have a friend of another ethnic group? Do you have friends or people who belong to different nationalities? Find them in your neighborhood. And go make friends with people of other colors, people of other ethnicities. Because we are all creations of God and everybody needs the gospel of Jesus. America is no more the old America. It is now a salad bowl where all kinds of people are here in this country. The world is in your neighborhood. The world is in your own neighborhood. You may not necessarily need to fly all the way to see the world. The world has come to you. We need to take this as a blessing in disguise. And share with our Muslim friends, with our Hindu friends, with our Buddhist friends, the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And even to this very day, I'm so grateful and thankful to my mother's conversion to the Christian faith. Having come out of a strong Hindu background, I'm grateful to God for the many sufferings that my parents went through for their sake, for the sake of their faith in Jesus Christ. I'm grateful that my father lost his job for the sake of his faith in Jesus Christ, that I could stand before you this morning and boldly confess to you that it was worth it all. It was worth it all. I am glad that all my family members have confessed faith in Jesus and are baptized and born again. I am glad that all my relatives have become Christians. I may not have much in this world, but I know what I have. I have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. I know what I have. I have treasures in heaven. I know what I have. I have the maker of this world with me. I know what I have. Someday I will be with him. I will be like him. That's the gospel. That's the excitement that will not let me go. I look back and tell God, thank you. Thank you for pulling me out from the domain of darkness and for translating me into the kingdom of light. Thank you, God, for pulling me from the strongholds of another religion. And translating me into the kingdom of your dear son, Lord Jesus Christ. Think of this. I was born and raised in India. A country in which one billion people. The majority worship a different gods and goddesses. But out of that billion people, God's love reached down into my family. 
Oh, what a love this is. Where would have I been if not for that great love of our Lord Jesus that reached and grasped my mother? That's the wonder. That's the joy. That's the excitement that keeps me going. I pray that you will catch that excitement of knowing that you are an ambassador for the great gospel of Jesus Christ. May God bless you. Thank you.